Welcome to the Deconstructed Woman Podcast, a podcast about breaking down barriers between women, exploring and sharing perspectives of each individual woman's experience, and discovering what we have in common and what makes us different. Hosted by Elisa Marie and Joji. Welcome back to the next episode of the Deconstructed Woman Podcast. So today, Joji and I wanted to talk about the concept and kind of the trajectory of loneliness, what that looks like in different people, and why sometimes loneliness, you know, is not looked at the same way as depression, but they have a lot of similarities between them. Um, And they do have a lot of significant repercussions for individuals. Um, as they're kind of going through their lifespan and, and different phases of life. I think that this made me think of the fact that I've kind of created a, a village or um, an environment where I have a lot of support from different people. Uh, but I could recall, you know, periods of my time, periods of my life where I didn't have as much support or I hadn't developed that social support just yet. Uh, very early um, as a mother, uh, trying to kind of maneuver through. And I think in those times, we feel very much like we're on our own little island and very lonely. But I think that that's maybe why some of my very early uh, friendships with other mothers who were going through the same things were so strong was because I found other people who were going through it. And we could relate on a very quick, in a very quick manner because of the fact that we we're kind of experiencing the same same circumstances, same you know life uh, phase and that sort of thing. And so I think that it has um, a lot to kind of unpack. And so Joji and I wanted to talk about this. But Joji, you were as we as we we're getting ready for this episode, you were talking about um, that you know loneliness kind of came up to you in a conversation. So how did that kind of come about? And and how does that? Why did it make you think of this topic? Well, loneliness is something that I guess I don't, I don't know, I, I guess maybe because I'm an extrovert and I just don't, if I, if you were to ask me, name somebody for me that is lonely, I guess I couldn't come up with anybody. Uh, I guess my biased belief is that, you know, if you're, uh, if you're highly social, you have a job, you interact with people or customers, um, you know, you have children, that there are all these activities that prevent loneliness. And as I was looking into loneliness, and this is this idea of how do people identify themselves as being lonely or what does that look like? And can you really be a busy person and still be very lonely? Um, The research I did said, absolutely, you can. And so therefore, my you know, sort of unsophisticated definition of busyness doesn't have anything to do with loneliness and and negating loneliness. Because, you know, as this article said, the one that I'm reading, which is in Everyday Health, Eight Signs and Symptoms of Loneliness by Emily Erickson, she, you know, one of the first lines she starts off with is that loneliness isn't always obvious. And that to me is probably says it all. I wasn't aware um, that loneliness isn't obvious. Like I thought it would be obvious, like no man is an island, like somebody being off by themselves and not having any friends and not having anything to do, or maybe the person who goes to work and comes home and is alone, and 
you know, eats dinner alone or watches TV and eats dinner, like some of those assumptions in my mind. But I never thought that somebody I knew who is busy and has a fulfilling life could actually be lonely. And so I think that that's where I raise the question to you to get a broader perception of like what, you know, what does loneliness look like and how could somebody be busy in their life and yet still feel alone or feel like they're not connected with another person? That just, and I, and I know it sounds silly, feel silly for me to say it, that that almost seems contradictory. Like, how can you be so busy and yet still be lonely? And obviously, based on this article, it's very clear you can be um, because you don't feel connected or that you feel like you're, there's joy missing. And I think that's where you said something that makes a lot of sense to me is that depression and lonely are actually probably two sides of the same coin. And though I've never connected somebody as, who is depressed as being lonely, not to say that they always go hand in hand, but they're not mutually exclusive either. So could you talk a little bit more about that? Like, how do you see that in your mind? Like how depression and loneliness could be connected um, to help broaden the definition for me? Yeah. So I think that, a so as I'm thinking of this and how I'm viewing this is that I, I think a lot of times we have circumstances where we we feel lonely based upon the fact that, um, you know, again, it's not the amount of people or things like that, but it's more of the the circumstances, the experience of of the the situation. So I had talked about like there are certain things that certain experiences where I I felt very alone, um, yet I had many people around me, and I I wouldn't necessarily say that those were periods of depression or anything like that. But I would say that they're like life circumstances where you are trying to figure out who to turn to and you're going through like your friend list and your phone or your family list. And you're like, I don't want to talk to any of these people about this situation because none of them may understand. But I, I think that there are circumstances where you have these situations and you aren't able to say okay, there's somebody I can turn to there. You aren't able to do that because of the fact that you, you just feel like nobody could understand. And I think that that's where that could happen um, for somebody who, even though, you know, they have people around them, that's, that's what's going on. So I think that that's the first part of it. The other part of it is that I think, you know, when we look at the, so you and I were both looking at the symptoms or I don't know if symptoms, maybe a stronger word, but that's mainly when we're looking at depression. But when I did a quick Google search of loneliness, I mean, a lot of the same things that we see from depression. So difficulty sleeping, loss of con confidence, depression being one of the signs of loneliness, fatigue, um, getting sick more often. So a lot of things where, uh, you know, you're seeing kind of these quote unquote symptoms of loneliness they're very significantly or closely tied to um, depression in a lot of ways. So hopefully that answers some of that question. Yeah. I mean, as I'm reading my article, what it's talking about is that uh, it's more of a, in a social situation, I think is the best way for me to summarize it. I mean, some of the signs that um, the author talks about is you wish you had more friends. You feel like no one understands you. Um uh, you feel alone even when you're in a crowd. You don't want to socialize. You feel down and stuck in your head. 
uh, your body feels off, you're spending more time on social media, and um, you notice that your healthy habits are slipping. So I think some of these things that uh, she talks about her article talks uh, in, in her writing talks, I think, more about the social side of that in the sense of you don't, you're, you're not connected to other people or you don't want to talk to them about what's going on or you don't feel like people can relate to you or that you're finding yourself, you know, thinking or ruminating about stuff more without bringing in other people to maybe bounce it off of them. Um, or that you're spending a lot of time on social media and doing solitary kinds of activities. And I do think that those are things that do point in that direction of loneliness, because I guess that if I was to withdraw from my friends and not reach out to my support system, that would clearly, I think, tell me that something is off with me, just because usually my go-to is to reach out to a friend who could help me think through whatever I'm going through. And I think if there was a situation where I didn't want to do that, I hope that I would recognize that as being like something is off with me, like I'm not acting like I usually would. And maybe that should ring a bell. I think one of the things that's interesting about this author too, is she's a therapist and has a private practice. And she said that people were coming to her uh, because they were either uh, finding themselves reporting signs of being overstressed or, you know, drinking more by themselves. And when they got to know each other and work and open up, it was really that they were feeling disconnected from other people. So once again, as we know, in depression, there are things that are signs and symptoms that you may not be able to put your finger on and say, yes, I'm depressed or yes, I'm lonely. But then when you start talking to somebody and as you start to peel back the layers, you might be able to identify maybe more a cluster of things that are going on that might make it a little bit easier to talk to. And so I think part of the other challenge that I had too was being more aware of the fact that, you know, to keep an eye open around for people that I care about to see and to you know, offer a hand if I feel like maybe something is off. And I think that's the other part of it for me is how do you um, identify or and or not step on anybody's toes by asking them to check in with them about anything? Um, because I do feel like because I could so often miss what's going on, that maybe that's something that I feel more at risk for. Like, am I checking in with the people that I care about? Um, do you have any thoughts about that, Alyssa? Like what would what would be some signs to you that maybe you should check in? I'm not suggesting we check in with all of our friends like a checklist, but like what 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 would be some signs that you might attend to? Well, you know, it's interesting because I think that as I have more life experiences, I realize like as I have lived out things now, I've, you know, one of the immediate examples comes to mind is having a baby. So I recently had uh, you know, our fourth child two months ago now. Um, and, you know, I think each time I kind of realize a little bit more like how much that it, it's a big life event for um, for families, for individuals. And so part of that was, you know, people were checking in very early on and making sure I was doing okay and bringing food and things like that. But then that like kind of dipped off like after like the first month. And I found myself being like, you know, oh, I wish somebody would just kind of check it. I mean, I'm doing fine, but, you know, just kind of there was so much attention and then it just went away. 
And it was like, oh, I, you know, it'd be nice if somebody said like, hey, how are you still doing all right? Like just kind of checked in with me. Um, and again, it, it was just, I think a, a transition from, you know, people are like, oh, you've got this, you've had kids before that sort of thing. But I, I think that that life experience made me want to check in with people who are having children, um, to just maybe a month or two afterward to say like, Hey, how are you doing? You know, like you doing all right. Cause I, I think that that's probably the more crucial time is after the first couple of months, you know, really finding your your routine and your, you know, how things are going, I think that it can still be a transition for some individuals. So I think that it depends on the person and how they, um, how they transition through that. And I, I think other experiences that I've had have, you know, again, there's, there's different circumstances. Um, you know, if you've, if you've experienced a death in your family, uh, you know, you, you might have experienced what that's like. And then all of a sudden you're like, okay, you know, now when somebody else goes through that experience, you are, have the ability to say, okay, I, you know, this is, this is what was helpful for me. So now I need to do that for somebody else. I think is what I'm trying to get at is that it's, it's very different for each person, but it's definitely something that makes me kind of pause and say, okay, I need to check in on people um, as they're going through big transitions, but not only that, I I'm that person who checks in on people that I haven't talked to in a while. Like I like to text message them or call them and just kind of keep in touch um, until there's some you know indication that maybe you know uh, the relationship has taken its course. But I tend to be the ones to kind of say like, hey, how you doing? How are how are things? Um, and I I think that that's just one of the ways that we can connect with a person. And just sit with them. I, I think that if you're noticing some of those signs that we we're talking about, then maybe that's some indication. But you're like you said at the very beginning, it's not always obvious. And so it's a really hard thing to know. But I think having the open communication is kind of the first step. Yeah, and I think you raise a really good point because, you know, as we're recording now, uh, we're getting into the new year. And for the last probably six weeks, we've been surrounded by holidays. I mean, Thanksgiving is a busy time. Christmas is a big time. New Year's is a big time. And then, you know, all those festivities that drop off like, you know, like a lead balloon. And then now we're going to go into a very quiet phase. We're also in winter and we're not going to be out now about as much. And so it goes from a lot of activity to no activity almost until we get out of the deep freeze of winter and come into the springtime. And so absolutely your point is well made that, you know, big transition or even seasonal seasonal change. This is a time where you could find yourself, you know, on one hand, we're overwhelmed and we need some time away from people. But at the same time, come February, you know, we might need to reach out with people because it is a natural sort of cycle of up and down and how things go. And I do think weddings, funerals, um, babies, all the major life milestones do create a rush of attention in the beginning and then things drop off and it's like, well, now you're on your own. You've gone from all this support to no support. And so I think that is a very, very well-made point that we do need to check in with people and that you might think that the crisis is over, but really it's, you know, sometimes that plateau and sort of the valley of your time period is also a painful time where you need more support. And um, you may not want to ask for support because somebody might have been there for you, you know, off and on for a couple months. But 
it is something that anybody is willing to help out if they just know that you still, you know, you need some help or you want some help or, you know, something is going on. And, and, you know, not to um, highlight, uh, you know, pregnancy and delivery, but also, you know, postpartum depression and some of the things that can happen with that and and that that is something that, you know, we as women need to be aware of after the delivery of a baby and knowing, you know, how stressful um, I was telling um, Alyssa before we started recording that my grandson who was four years old and his baby sister, who's about six weeks old, were just here for a handful of days. And it's amazing how busy that time is and and how little break parents get when they're actively parenting. Um, more than one child and or even just one child. And it's like 24-7 without any break. And it was really an eye-opener for me how um, how people survived that. And I forgot how hard that was. And so definitely staying in touch with people, um, you know, after the holidays or after the birth of a child, two, three months probably is a good time to check in again. Weddings, funerals, I think all of it. And even holidays. I mean, I I know that in counseling, holidays are a very stressful time for people because of the losses that happen. And we think that just because the holidays are over, for some reason, those people might, you know, rebound and, you know, they may have this fresh approach to the new year or like it's a turning the page of that grief. And that's not true. I mean, that that really is not the way that grief happens. And so it, I think it's a very good reminder to check in with people that might have been going through something recent or have had a major milestone in their life that could just be a very good reminder to say, you know, make a point to check in in about two or three weeks um, and just uh, get a pulse of where they're at. I think it's a very, very important point. Um, Other thoughts that you might have? I have one more thought I want to talk about, but I just wanted to break my chat and see if there's any other thoughts you've had. Well, and I was thinking just as you were saying that, that, you know, anniversaries are really hard for individuals too. And I think that the further we get away from the, you know, the, the, let's say a death of a family member or a a significant relationship, I think that that's, um, or, you know, again, like a birth of a child or those big transitional periods, I think that, you know, the further we get away from it, we think, okay, like they're, they're probably fine. They're over that or whatever the circumstances are. And not because we don't care, but just because our lives get busy and things happen and we kind of move on in some ways. But I think for those individuals, the anniversaries are difficult and there's periods of time where like, you know, I think we've maybe touched on grief in the past, but there there might be just a random event that triggers somebody to think of a loved one that has passed that had, you know, nothing to do with anything. It just all of a sudden like washes upon you. Um, and so, you know, again, I think that it's very hard. And, and for anybody who's, you know, not sure, like, you know, oh, if they, you know, said like somebody was lonely or whatnot. Um, it, it's just hard to know how other people are feeling. And it's not, you know, we may do all of our, all of these things, checking in with somebody and it still may not um, really resonate with them. But, you know, we we can only do the best that we can. And really our job is to try to be the best friend or family member to others and and kind of do do what you can. I guess that's the main point. But um, I I think that there's just there's only so much that we can know uh, about others. But I think that these are some good ways to check in to make sure that we're thinking about where people are, what you know might be experience, what they might be experiencing, 
hopefully it shines a little bit of light on, you know, somebody might have had a hard transition last year, maybe check in with them this year um, in the new year and, and maybe see, you know, just how, how are you doing? Like, you know, it's, it's interesting because so many times people will say like, how are you doing? And the immediate answer is I'm fine. I'm doing well. Thanks for asking. How are you? You know, like immediate deflection. Um, but I think that those, you know, sometimes if it's a closer friend, they might be like, I'm really struggling right now. Um, and I, I think that that's, you know, those, those are the types of conversations we don't always have. Um, so I think this is twofold. I'm encouraging people to check in with other people, but I'm also encouraging those people who might be struggling to be honest about it, because I think that we're not always honest about how we're actually doing because the the normal response is, I'm doing fine. Um, and if you are feeling lonely, you know, reaching out to those people around you that are there and are trying to support you. And also, um, you know, obviously we talked about loneliness and depression being kind of, you know, two sides of the same coin, maybe saying like, maybe I need additional help. I, I think that those are some of the thoughts that came to mind because, you know, we are by no means saying that this is something that you should just kind of deal with. Loneliness can have pretty significant, um, you know, negative consequences. And we want to shine light on that as well. Yep. I agree with you 100%. That's what I was thinking about too, is just understanding that, you know, if you find sometimes it's so hard, uh, it's not even obvious to ourselves that we're going through that, right? And sometimes you may talk yourself into believing that, oh, well, you know, I'm going to avoid this dinner because I'm just too tired. I've been working hard a lot. But if you do find yourself, you know, not wanting to socialize with your friends or if the thought of going out to dinner with your friends, which is something you would have done without thinking twice before, just seems like it'll be so exhausting that you don't have the reserve to do that. Or the fact that your friends are reaching out and you're not, you know, calling them back, you're not texting them back because it is sort of a vicious cycle. I mean, and that's, that is the uh, fallacy of depression. I mean, it does sort of feed on itself. And if you do start finding yourself, isolating yourself more, not socializing, you know, feeling less confident about yourself. I mean, those things can start to double up and, and sort of snowball into something more. And so, you know, you do have to also be honest with yourself to be able to say, yep, there might be a point where I need some help or, you know, I need to do something. And so I think it's it's important. I mean, this is a very important conversation because there are some significant um, consequences, as, as Alyssa said, about being lonely and how that can sort of balloon into something else. I mean, I think about a family friend of mine who unexpectedly lost their um they're, you know, a, a very like a patriarch in their family. And it was completely unexpected. It was an um, unexpected heart attack, died on the spot. And and every holiday just was a rewashing of that grief, you know, for the spouse. You know, Valentine's Day was horrible. Um, and, um, you know, every time, everything that was a special uh, occurrence for this gentleman you know, just brought up sadness for the whole family because aid was unexpected and it was, you know, something that was immediate. There was no opportunity to do anything about it. And so, you know, we there are some of us who love Valentine's Day or love Sweetest Day, but for somebody in our circle, that's not going to be a fun holiday um, or a Father's Day might be not good or Mother's Day may not be good. The wedding anniversary is not fun. Um, and so we have to be mindful of um, that for other people in our lives, as well as those of us 
who um, know that something happened and there's not just like a 30 day window for that grief. And it's not now it's all of a sudden going to be um, gone forever. And so we just have to understand that. Um, so, it, you know, it, this is sort of a deeper conversation. And I think around the holidays and post holidays, it's not unusual for these kind of topics to be had. Um, and um, as much as mo many of us want to, you know, sort of run into the new year and have great hopes and goals and things that we want for 2024, we also have to think about the people who are struggling to get there with us and how can we help them. And so um, that's, I think, it. Uh, any final thoughts or you want to wrap us up? Yeah, I think I didn't have any final thoughts. I think that, like you said, it's a great topic and it's a harder one, but I think that it's definitely necessary to kind of bring that out. Um, you know, as we kind of go into the new year, I think a, a couple of next topics will, you know, kind of take us into that new frontier as well as we go into, um, you know, this next era, if you will. Um, but for everybody listening, thank you again for listening to the Deconstructed Woman podcast. If you want to get a hold of us, feel free to join us in our Facebook group where we post our episodes um, frequently so that you have access to all of them, as well as open up discussions about these topics. We love to hear back from you. You are also welcome to email us at the Deconstructed Woman podcast at gmail.com and make sure that uh, if you would like to be heard, you are always welcome to also leave us a voice message on uh, the Spotify for Podcasters website where this can be found. Uh, so we look forward to hearing back from you and hope to touch base soon. So thank you again, and we'll talk then. Thank you for listening to our podcast, The Deconstructed Woman. If you like this podcast, please share it with your friends, rate this episode, or subscribe to be notified of all new content. We want to hear from you, our listener. Do you have thoughts on the discussions we're having? Want to share topic suggestions? Or want to join us for a topic that you're passionate about? Contact us at our email address, thedeconstructedwoman at gmail.com.